You are listening to an edited version of Get Radio's Business Brunch, which airs every Sunday at 11am on DAB Digital Radio across Oxfordshire and online at getradio.co.uk. For copyright reasons, we cannot play the songs mentioned in the show. But for more info and Business Brunch-related content, head over to getradio.co.uk. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben Thompson. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Good morning. This is Get Radio and welcome to the Business Brunch with me, Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. And every week we introduce you, the listener, to trusted experts here across Oxfordshire who are going to share their expertise, their knowledge, their skills with you, the listener, um, all around the world of business. Um, and today's going to be no different. Um, so really, really delighted to be joined by Jesse Harrison um, of Matthews and & Squire. And we're going to be discussing intellectual property. Um, and we're also going to be talking about AI as well. So really, really looking forward to that. This is Business Brunch with me, Ben Thompson, and I look forward to welcoming Jesse after this. Get radio. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with me, Ben Thompson, here on Get Radio. And um, today I'm really, really delighted to be joined by Jesse Harrison um, of Matthews and Squire. Welcome, Jesse. Hi, hi, Ben. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining me. So let's kick off. Um, to those who don't know you um, or the firm, um, please, yeah, fit fill them in. Who are you? Um, and what, what's the background of the firm? Absolutely. So yeah, my name's Jessie. I'm an associate at Maths and Squire. Um, so I have a background in material science and engineering originally, but now I'm a UK chartered patent attorney. So as at Maths and Squire, we're a full service IP uh, firm of patent attorneys, trademark attorneys, um, IP consultants and strategists. And we really have a lot of experience dealing with all sorts of technology areas and helping clients protect um, their highly valuable intellectual property, really. Oh, amazing. Amazing. No, thank you so much for joining us and really look forward to speaking more about this um, over the next hour. Um, but before that, definitely the hardest question that you're going to be asked um, on this show is around your song choice um, based on past guests. So you have chosen a song for our listeners this morning. What is your song choice and why have you picked it? So I try to um, keep it vaguely tech related as much as I could. And so I've gone for Digital Love by Daft Punk. <laughs> Oxfordshire Station. Get Radio. Welcome back to the Business Branch here on Get Radio. Um, following that very on theme song chosen by Jesse, um, we are going to be speaking with with Jesse all around um intellectual property, um, and also um with the context of of, of AI as well. So let's let's kick off the show. Um, I, I'm going to start with a, a very basic question, if that's okay. But I think one of the things that Mike and I had learned across, I guess, 140 shows now is it's things within our area of specialisms are always very obvious to us but not necessarily to everyone else so let's start with what is intellectual property um and, and why would you protect it yeah no it's a great question and inte intellectual property in particular i think can be an area that is quite frightening to a lot of um, businesses because obviously it's an intangible asset and we often hear from um kind of smes and businesses oh well i don't have ip in my business that is almost guaranteed not to be the case. Um, there definitely will be IP. What you might mean is there's no patents, but really intellectual property is a broad term. It can cover patents, it can cover trademarks, but a lot of the time it will actually cover your confidential information, which is really your know-how um, and all of the expertise um, that you've developed in your area relating to 
all sorts of areas, all sorts of areas in your business, be it customer list, technology area, whatever, really. Mm, no, absolutely. And and in terms of intellectual property, as, as you've rightly said, almost every business has intellectual property. What is the process of protecting intellectual property or deciding whether you should protect that intellectual property? Yeah, so another great question. Really, there's no one size fits all and it's going to be different for every business. Um, really, when you're looking at protecting your intellectual property, um, you really want to be making sure that the key areas of value in your business are protected. And what I mean by that is if you kind of had to do your elevator pitch, you've got 60 seconds to say, what is so great about your business? What do you do differently from competitors? That's going to be your core area of intellectual property. And you want to work back from that and then say, okay, how do I protect that? How do I stop competitors from um, maybe copying what we do and trying to replicate that? And how you do that would be dependent on exactly what that is. So if it's a innovative product, you might be looking at getting some patent protection. If it's actually that you're the first mover in this um, field and you've got a great reputation, you probably want to be looking at maybe trademarks to sure up your branding. Um, but it will be different for each business. Um, but if in doubt, I'd say probably the first point to start is to talk to someone like us because um, we're very used to having these conversations and working out what, where that value lies and how to pick it out um, and protect it from there, really. Absolutely. I, I think one of the big things that has come out of this show over the last almost three years now is very much speak to an expert, because actually, as, as we've touched on, experts can often um, really make it really make difficult things see, seem simple. Um, let's just break down um, some of the areas that you've touched on there. Um, you, you touched on a pattern. Um, I, I think we've all seen um, patterns on Dragon's Den. Um, it, it, it's the place that do you have a pattern is often one of the first questions you would be asked. Um, what kind of product Products would you consider for a product for a pattern and what and how complex is it to get a pattern and I appreciate there may not be a one-size-fits-all again yeah absolutely so patents fundamentally are um, intended to protect kind of technical innovations mm. so um, commonly that will be thought as maybe like a hardware product but actually mm. a lot of my work um, relates to software inventions as well um, so it's kind of a mis, mis, uh, myth, misconception that um, mm. software isn't patentable, but that's definitely not the case. Um, so really, as long as you've got something that's technical, something that's solving a technical problem, that's create, mm. got an innovative solution, it's likely that that will be patentable. Um, and it's great reference for Dragon's Den as well, because m for many um, SMEs in particular, one of the big drivers for getting a patent is maybe they're looking at getting some external funding and mm. um, a cash injection and for investment having um, registered IP rights and patents in, in particular can be really important. Um, I think there was a recent study by the European Patent Office that showed that European startups and SMEs were um, over 10 times more likely to get Series A, Series B funding. Um, if they had patents and trademarks on side. So yeah, it's, it can be a really important part of um, kind of growing and scaling strategy. Absolutely. Um, I can't believe that you're giving such intelligent insight and I'm going to compare it to a chicken and an egg, but um, I am <laughs> going to do exactly that. Um, at what point should businesses um, within this technical space be looking at the pattern um, in terms of 
does the business come first or does the pattern come first in terms of you've got this great business idea it's highly innovative whether that be a software or hardware or physical product and you think do you know what this is really special i want to go to market and create this business where at what point should you be looking at the pattern does the business come first or does the pattern come first yeah, it's another great question. And again, I'm going to have to say not one size fits all here, but the difficulty that sometimes people slip up on if they're new to the world of patenting is actually in order to get a patent, there can't have been any public disclosures relating to the technology um, before that patent is filed. So actually, for many cases, particularly if it's a hardware product or something that's going to be easy to tell how you're doing it once you've launched, the patent does have to come first. Um, for some of these software inventions, if you've got um, a complicated, very smart machine learning model that's on the cloud and actually the user's never going to see that, they're never going to work out how that's working, sometimes in those cases um, there might be a bit more flexibility. But actually for most um, businesses, the patent does have to come first. and. Mm. It's definitely worth kind of at least having a conversation with a patent attorney before you're launching, before you're doing any big um, press releases or whatever, uh, to make sure actually we we have our clear strategy and we know how we're going to play this. Because otherwise you can really trip yourself up if you try and revisit it later. Um mm. And yeah, the cat's out the bag, really. <laughs> yeah, no, very, very much so. As 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 you touched on, um, we we had a a show uh, a few months back talking about research and development, and, and I think that was the big theme that came across is that yes, it's it's great to have these great ideas, but actually, if you don't own them, if you don't have a pattern, if you don't have protection, it's so easy to re- replicate, which is um, yeah, which is really scary, isn't it? Um. You, you spoke a little bit in terms of something within a patent could be um, software. I think now would be a good time to maybe talk about AI. Um, so AI is the real buzz buzzwords. And I know that we've had a lot of shows around the topic of AI. And I think it's certainly it's something that seems to be changing daily, weekly, monthly. What What is your advice around the world of AI and how does that fit into intellectual property? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So as I said, it's a common myth that software and AI and all of these areas aren't patentable, but that's certainly not the case. And as I said, probably as much as 80, 90% of the work I do is actually in this space. Mm. When it comes to um, protecting uh, AI and and software inventions, there's going to be two um, core, core strategies, really. The first strategy is very patent um, heavy approach where you are getting patent protection um, to the method of, of how your software is working and how that AI model is working. And the second would be confidential information and choosing to keep that trade secret. But actually the strongest approach you can have is maybe a blended approach of both. So you can um, keep maybe the exact details of how you're training your model and the, um, how you're, how to get the most accurate data out of your model, the most accurate predictions, the most accurate prompts, that can be confidential. But you might have a patent to a broader um, general method that can is still really innovative um, and still provides a good solution, but maybe not the best solution going. So even if someone was to look at your patent and try and replicate that, they still are not going to get where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so... As well, the the good thing about um, trying to protect software and AI inventions is if they are being kept confidential and maybe it's a back end in the cloud, um, you might be able to change how you approach your intellectual property strategy 
as your business grows. So for example, you might be have a reliance on trade secrets early on because fantastic news about trade secrets is they're free. Um, but as you grow and um, you might consider, okay, this is actually proving to be a really valuable product for us. Um, maybe we start looking at getting some patents um, directed to protect this now, just to give us that extra layer of protection. If there's a risk that um, maybe your trade secrets are going to leak, maybe you're going to have to tell people how it's working. Mm -hmm. Is it possible to reverse engineer it? Those kind of questions are what you want to be asking yourself really when you're deciding, do I keep this trade secret confidential or actually do I pursue patent protection for this? Mm, absolutely really really wise um jesse thank you for sharing such insight so far we'll continue the conversation after this get radio's business brunch with ben thompson sponsored by we do hr support leave your hr to the experts so you can focus on what you do best Welcome back to the Business Brunch here on Get Radio. Um, I'm sure you're like me. Um, I'm I'm just absolutely amazed by by the the insight that you're sharing with the listeners. Really, really fascinating. So thank you for that. Um, you before before the, that song, we were talking about trade secrets, and I think that that is um, something I'd like to build on a little bit more. Is who are you protecting that from? Um, so it's it's very obvious that you would not want your competitors to know. Um, and and it's it's very obvious that that you wouldn't want that to be copied. But but can you do anything internally? Um, so can you do anything in terms of protecting from your own team, um, protecting from your own suppliers, or, or indeed your customers? Absolutely. And actually, if you are taking a trade secret approach to some of your core valuable IP, that's exactly what you should be doing. Um, because trade secrets are distinct from your average confidential information. And if you wanted to rely um, on trade secrets, for example, in the event if there was a breach, um, actually, you do need to be able to demonstrate that you have been taking um, reasonable steps to protect that that trade secret information. So um, limiting access to that information internally um, can be a great demonstrator of that, making sure that actually only the people that need inf that information have access to it. Perhaps um, your team, several people will have access to some, but not all. Um, when you're talking to suppliers, make sure if you do have to share it that you're using non uh, NDAs, so that's um, non-disclosure agreements. Um, right. And yeah, but if if actually you're think, starting to think realistically, we are going to have to tell a lot of people about this. That's probably a key sign, actually, that maybe some patent protection or some other registered IP rights might help just to mitigate that risk. Because even if you're talking to a supplier, if they don't sign an NDA agreement, they're not actually that prevented from perhaps going and speaking to um, another competitor so even if you're not directly speaking to your competitor that information can get out um and then obviously yeah that can be really detrimental to your business absolutely no you can totally see that um what is the process of protecting a product uh, and i think i'm going to use the phrase again there isn't a one-size-fits-all but typically so a client comes to you um, and says, I've got this great invention, or I've got this great idea, I, I would like to get a pattern, or I'd like to protect it in some way. What What is the process of working with you as a firm and the process from the conversation, the concept to actually this is protected, the law would prevent a competitor from, from, from going to do this again? 
Yeah, so it's a great question. And um, I think the first point of call is always just going to be a chat with us, a discussion with us. So always happy to um, arrange a meeting, pick up the phone, whatever, and just really talk through is what I'm looking at actually patentable? Is it that? Is it worthwhile patenting? Am I best off keeping this confidential or other kind of means of protection? So that's the first point of call. If we decide, yep, let's pursue a patent. I think that in this case, we've got something that's clearly new, it's clearly inventive, and there's a um, strong commercialization case um, and value attributed to patenting. Then what we'd have is maybe a, a techni more technical discussion. So maybe that's um, with the engineering manager or the technical lead, um, and we'll drill down to make sure that we really understand the technology. So that's why as patent attorneys, we all have technical backgrounds. So you have to have oh, a um, engineering or science degree to make sure that we can really understand the technology mm. that we're working with. Um, we then go away and draft the patent application um, and it can be a bit of an iterative process. So we'll have a go, send it to um, you as the client. You'll have a read through and if there's any questions that you have or any additions or tweaks, then we can do that. Um, and then we get the patent application on file. So that would be to get it on file in the UK. Um, but actually, if you're looking at other territories, so maybe you've got some business um, in other in other countries across Europe, you also want to be looking at uh, getting protection elsewhere in the world. Um, and you've got one year from the original filing to do that. So we can, um, as well as looking at your getting protected in the UK, if you've got manufacturers elsewhere in the world, if you've got important clients and customers elsewhere in the world, we can also help you with that. No, absolutely. And and I imagine um, in terms of protecting a product, I imagine depending on the country that it's in, I imagine there's 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 different laws. Um, can can a product be protected across the whole world? So let's let's look at like a very well known brand. So let's look at Apple, for example. Apple, of course, have a lot of IP, don't they? Is Apple protected everywhere in the world, or could a brand be protected everywhere in the world? Yeah. So another great question. In reality, practically speaking that's never going to happen um, or it's going to be really expensive to do so. Of so course. a much stronger um, and better approach really is picking out those key territories that are really going to get the most bang for your buck really. And what you want to be doing is covering off all the all the important markets that actually mean that if a competitor could set up business in some small um, island in the middle of the Indian Ocean or whatever, that's really not going to make a strong business case for them. And it's mm -hmm. not going to make a strong dent into your um, market share, really. So it's about picking out um, those key territories. And maybe that's key markets for actually selling into. Um, maybe it's manufacturing to make sure you, you're um, really covered for uh getting the products manufactured and no one else can um, replicate that. Uh, also key transit routes. So the Netherlands, Singapore can be key territories if you're, you're having physical products that are being shipped through. Um, and so there's various different approaches and considerations when it comes to choosing which countries to go ahead in. No, absolutely. I can imagine. Um, we've spoken quite a lot about patterns and, and protection. And um, one of the things that you rightly touched on um, at, at the start of the show is protection isn't necessarily a physical product or, or a soft software. Sometimes it can be the way that you do things and your brand. Can, can we talk a little bit more about trademarks and, and at the point where you would consider a trademark as opposed to a pattern? 
Yeah, sure. So just for a little bit of um, disclaimer, I am a patent attorney, not a charter trademark attorney. But as Matheson Square, we do have trademark attorneys as part of the firm. Mm. Um, with trademarks, there is a little bit more flexibility when you can file because unlike patents, there isn't the requirement that has to have been kept confidential. However, we would generally recommend at least starting the discussion with trademarks pretty early because what we would usually as a first point of call recommend is doing a um, search to make sure that actually you have the freedom to use the brand name or the trademark that you're planning on launching under. Because really what the worst case scenario is, is um, launching a product, starting to get some traction, um, customers starting to think, yeah, this is a great brand. And then you get the letter through the post that says, we have rights in this space. You're not allowed to use this mark. And actually you have to then rebrand. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately it's not as simple as, um, a simple Google to check that no one's using the exact same name. Um, as, uh, trademark attorneys and professional firms, we have special software that, cause actually you have to make sure that it doesn't sound similar. It doesn't look similar written down. There's not conceptual similarities even. Um, so it can be a little bit more complicated than, um, a simple Google search. Um, also as well, if you're launching in the UK, you may have freedom to use that brand name in the UK, but if you do have to ship to Europe, do you have freedom to use that name in Europe? And if you have to rebrand there, then that can be a nightmare for manufacturing. If you have to have packaging under one name and another name for different territories. So it's definitely worth, um, having the conversation early and just checking that you're able to operate under those brand names um mm-hmm. pre-launch for example um but there's not so much urgency as with patents really in terms of the disclosure no absolutely and as a business grows um is is i guess the umbrella of intellectual property something that that changes um and and it, are there things that you can consider now when you're at the early stage of of your journey in terms of protecting your business or protecting your brand that actually really makes the business more scalable A hundred percent. Basically, this thing that comes up time and time again when we're talking to small businesses um, is actually IP ownership. And this can be really, really key to a business. If you get your IP ownership right at the start, you can set yourself up with really solid foundations to grow. Whereas, unfortunately, if you don't, that can cause real issues when you scale um, as you want to continue to um, iterate and innovate um, on your core IP that you developed early on. If you don't actually own that IP, that can cause huge difficulties. You can be really tied to suppliers. They can dictate the price in your supply chain. Um, maybe if you want to license out technology to uh, as part of partnerships, that can be really challenging. So IP ownership is really essential. Um, and this, we do um, IP audits for a lot of businesses at the first kind of introduction into IP. And we'll look at um, all their contracts and making sure that they do own the IP that they say they do. Because the default position under UK law is unless you're an employee, um, any IP isn't actually assigned to the company. So you may have outsourced your um going back to the software, maybe you used an external developer to Mm. code some of your software product. Even if you've paid them X thousand pounds, unless you have a contract assigning that IP to you explicitly, they they still own that IP. And so if you want to go back and change that and iterate that, 
you can be tied to them. You might have to repay them for work that they've already done. So it can be a bit of an issue as you scale. Wow. Wow. No, really, really fascinating. And in terms of, um, so there's somebody listening now who is really nervous. They think, gosh, we, we feel that we've got IP. Um, and actually I'm not sure that it is completely ours because we paid a web developer or software developer. What should they do at, at this point? Yeah, so the good news is that IP can be retrospectively assigned. So okay. if that is you, I would say double check your original purchase order, double check your original contract, make sure that there isn't any wording in there that assigns that IP. If not, go back and approach them. The difficulty with doing it retrospectively is that developer might think, hmm, well, yes, I will sign this piece of paper, but you're going to have to pay me a few hundred pounds or whatever. So that's really the risk. Um, so if you're just aware that that's an issue going forward, whenever you are engaging a third party contractor or whatever, you can actually say, hang on a minute, can we just insert this clause in the contract um, and get an assignment in there really? Because it's much easier to sort these things in advance of the work um, rather than retrospectively. Um, but it can, of course, be done retrospectively as well. Absolutely. I think one of the big things that has, that has always come out of this show, um, whether it be under IP or, or the world of finance or, or marketing, the worst thing you can do in business is bury your head in the sand. It's certainly um, it, it's a simple phrase, but but a very important one. Um, Jesse, thanks so much again for, for some more great thoughts in that section. We'll continue the conversation after this. Introducing you to local trusted experts. This is the Business Brunch Podcast, sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch here on Get Radio. And today we're joined by Jesse Harrison to talk all about the world of intellectual property um, and also uh, around AI. So so we have touched on AI earlier, but it would just be really good to, to, to build on that section because I think it's the hot topic. What do you foresee in, in the world of AI? And is there, I think it's been widely reported, like with ChatGPT, that the data you're putting into ChatGPT isn't completely safe and, and, and all of these, um, all these uh, maybe newspaper headlines. What, what do you foresee within intellectual property and AI in terms of that connection? And what, and do you see risks in the future that businesses should be considering? Um, so I think the data point, I'm not really qualified <laughs> to comment on. Of course. Sorry. Um, so in terms of AI, and patentability and um, intellectual property point of view, actually machine learning is the, according to some data that we've seen, the fastest growing um, technology area in the patenting space. So I think between 2017 um, and 2021, it was over 440% increase in patent wow. filings for machine learning technologies. So obviously that's just an indication that shows there is a lot of activity. There is a lot of indication going on in this area um, and it is gonna have a huge impact. We're seeing um, filings across a whole range of applications. So when you're considering patentability for machine learning, it has to be um, drawn drilled down to um, a technical solution to a technical problem. So mm. this can be um, areas relating to maybe a control of a driverless car. Maybe it's um, a, a neural network that improves the um, detection of irregular heartbeats from a heart monitor. This, particularly in health tech, um, it's going to have huge applications um, and hopefully improve the kind of quality of service of care. 
Um, but in terms of business risk, probably the biggest business risk is um, not to being an early adopter and failing to move with the times because this is going to disrupt a lot of industries. Um, and really the strongest position to be in is to be innovating, to be keeping up um, and to be a key IP holder really in this sphere of technology. No, absolutely. And in terms of um, the, the world of AI, you touched on um, that there's been such an increase in in patterns um, within AI, and you um, touched on on the fact that it's, that it's ever changing. Do you do you foresee that the regulations could change in this space? And and do you foresee? And I appreciate it is somewhat of a crystal ball question. So apologies, Jesse. But but do you foresee that there could be a change in terms of how this is protected in the future? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as I said, when it comes to patenting software um, and AI inventions, really at the moment, the um, test is whether the, the computer method solves a technical problem by providing a technical solution. But really, what is technical? What is a technical problem? What is a technical solution? And that at the moment is built up with over 30 years of case law. There's no easy answer. Um, and the patent offices are trying hard um, to adapt to this new type of patent applications that they're coming, they're seeing coming through as well. Um, there's some data that shows, obviously, at the moment, patent, the patent process is quite slow. So you might have a patent pending for a number of years. So if something um, has been uh, filed in the last two years or so, it might not have reached grant yet. In fact, it probably hasn't. So we're still seeing actually now even how patent offices are going to respond to these type of inventions and how they're going to be protected. But from what we've seen um, from other areas of kind of earlier areas of um, AI, the trends are increasing. There are more patents getting granted in this in this area. But as I said, um, it is it is very much a, a watch and learn kind of situation, and all industries will be adapting to this um, and trying to work out how to manage these technologies at the same time. Really, no, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I think would be really interesting um, for, for those listening at home um, would be um, an insight into, and, and I think you've done this done this a little bit, but I, th I think we could bit build on um, build on on some of the things that can be protected and some of the cases that you may have worked on. Of course, you can't give client specifics, but in terms of like some 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 of the really kind of interesting things that um, are just interesting, or some of the things that we might not have expected to have been protected. C can you? give it give a flavor of, of some of the things that you've seen or worked on you on yourself yeah sure so as i said really we're looking across whole ranges of technical areas so um it can be as i mentioned there's a lot of innovation going on in the medtech space so maybe there'll be a hardware medical device um like a innovative heart monitor and maybe it's got some um internal uh, edge computing that is monitoring the signals in a really innovative way to improve the detection of irregular heart rhythms. Or maybe it's a bog standard piece of technology that we've been using for decades, but actually we're now able to extract better quality information. We're able to better predict um, 
perhaps um, heart attacks or various different conditions from that data that we've always had, just because we're now able to extract new trends and more information from that data that we've always had available. Um, there's also things going on across the board. So a lot of stuff going on in um, mobility, the future of mobility as well. Um, a lot of electric vehicle tech, um, driverless cars, um, right through to um, we've done some work in Oxfordshire on the management of traffic. Um, wow. So honestly, it's across the board. That I, that's a mm. few uh, examples, but it's really touching all areas um, mm. of of how we interact with the world. Really, no, absolutely. And I I always tr try um um I find it really fascinating, like the drivers of entrepreneurs. So I guess that when you've looked at some of these really innovative um cases that you've worked on and and kind of seen the people behind them, has there been like a particular trait or like a common theme, whether it be traffic management or driverless cars or <laughs> um a, 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 a sort of a heart monitor? Like, has there been like is there a theme that you see across the companies that actually have a really good pattern in place or really good protection in place or really good IP? that you look at and think, do you know what? There are these common traits that are really good best practices that maybe all of us could consider. Yeah, I think um, there's, we see all sorts of innovative founders, CEOs, um, and all of them really seem to have a clear vision. They have mm. a clear idea of what their differentiation um is really, and particularly with their intellectual property. So maybe they're developing something that's more efficient. Maybe it's cheaper. Maybe it's gonna reduce carbon emissions. They've all got a vision, they've all got a mission, and they're directing all of their IP strategy to protecting that area. Um, because it can be um, quite tempting to maybe, if you've had a really difficult problem that's been kept you up late at night trying to solve, and then you finally crack it, you might be like, okay, well, I need to patent this because that took a lot of blood, sweat and tears. But actually, if there's not a strong commercial case, if it's not aligning with your business strategy, that's maybe not the best use of your money. And really, you want to be protecting something that could be objectively a bit more simple. But if it's associated with a advantage, a technical effect, that's really key to your business strategy and your mission, then that could be a much stronger business asset than something that's technically technically really really tricky but has less of a commercial impact on your business really mm, no absolutely absolutely um, you've touched on a, a very important word in the world of business, which is commercial. Um, and I appreciate it is how long is a piece of string, I'm sure. But can you give me the flavour of, of of how much it could cost a business to to protect a, a, a product, even, even if it is a range or a sort of ballpark? Yeah, so um, obviously the costs vary depending on how you decide to mm. um, protect your IP. So as a ballpark cost for a patent application, we generally say maybe you're looking at between 5,000 to 7,000 um, pounds, excluding VAT to get a patent application drafted and on file in the UK. Obviously, um, patents aren't granted straight away and there can be several iterations of uh, communication with the patent office to get something granted. As a rough ballpark, we maybe say try and budget around 10,000 um, pounds, excluding VAT, from start to finish for your UK patent application. But really that does vary. Um, and then of course, 
you're looking at if you're looking at protection in other territories and there'll be costs associated with that. But it's also worth bearing in mind that these costs are spread out over a number of years. So obviously mm. the initial patent filing, there's a pretty sizable sum there, which is associated with getting the patent application drafted and on file. Mm. But after that, the costs can be spread over a number of years. Um, and that can be beneficial because you can get a sense then of actually, what are my key markets? Is this really taking off in Spain? And we want protection in Spain. Um, and so you can tailor that strategy accordingly um, and yeah, make sure that at every step, those costs that you're spending are still aligned with what the business is doing and is still providing business, uh, providing value to your business. No, absolutely. No, some, some really, really good advice there. Um, we've spoken about so much and we've shared so much insight with, with the listeners already, but I, I guess kind of a bit of a broad question really is, is there anything that we haven't discussed under the umbrella of intellectual property that you feel that, that I've missed as a presenter? <laughs> um, I think we've, we've done a good, uh, we've done a, a good range of um, IP rights, but I would just say that if you don't know where to start, really just reach out to someone like, like me, um, a patent attorney or someone else involved in IP because there are so many different ways to protect yourself and um, we've spoken a lot about patents we've spoken a bit about trademarks there's also registered designs unregistered designs copyright various unregistered um intellectual property rights confidential information and so on so really the first point of call is how do you identify what those are and how do you which is the best strategy for you um and so it can be a minefield um, and it can be difficult to navigate by yourself. So just just reach out, really. Amazing. No, thank you so much. Um, we have, um, though, got to the end of the show. And um, so thank you so much, um, Jesse, for sharing such such insight um, with the listeners. I certainly one of the things that, that Rich um, and I always share when, when previewing the show is that you definitely need your notepad. And, and I think today um, there's been pages of, of notes I'm sure the listeners have taken. So thank you for that. Thank um, you for having me. Thank you so much. Um, well, that is the end of the show. Um, so if like me um you've enjoyed this conversation i definitely recommend um following following um jesse and matthews and squire because i'm sure they do some really really great insightful work so thank you for that um next week uh we will be back um and just a reminder you can listen to this show every sunday on the radio online at 11 a.m um or you can listen on the podcast format which is available on your favorite podcast platforms and released on the monday morning and do look out for the video format um which is available on the get radio facebook page and their website every tuesday um and hopefully we will see you next week so next week we're we're talking about something a little bit different um we're going to be joined by john ellard and natasha ellard and we're going to be talking about um how raymond parts and urban element work together um, and the husband and wife business experience it'll be really interesting show but for now enjoy the rest of your sunday and we'll see you next week